0: Toby Mack, if you know who Toby Mack is, uh, doing some speaking with them across the country. And right now he's uh, going across Western Canada, uh, traveling with sort of a country Christmas. Now, this isn't country Christmas, what we're going to do this morning, but a country Christmas tour uh, that's going all across Western Canada. In fact, tonight at the Alliance Church, there's going to be, now I'm going to get the country star wrong. I don't know my country star. So what's the name again? Jason Jason McCoy. Does anyone know who that is? Okay. Yeehaw. You do. <laughs> I don't. I didn't know him before, but uh, I, I hear he's, he's well known in country circles. So they're going to be at the Alliance tonight with part of this tour and uh, exciting stuff that's happening. But our, our speaker this morning um, comes highly recommended. We've uh, been sort of in talks and Negotiations to figure out how we could bring them in, and it was, it was wonderful. The, the folks at World Vision really uh, made it very easy for us to, to say yes to this opportunity. So we're excited to have Eric, Samuel, Tim come, and would you give him a great big moose jaw welcome? Thanks, Mr. Steve. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate
1: it. Well, good morning, church. Try that one more time. Good morning, church. It's good to be here with you. Excuse my voice. I'm um, dealing with a little bit of a uh, rough throat. Um, And I got Fisherman's Friend, and I've discovered those in Canada. They're disgusting. (laughs) But they work. Um, Now, I'm from Minnesota, uh, which is in the U.S., And it's technically part of Canada. (laughs) So this weather that you're having uh, right now, minus 25, it sort of feels like home to me. I got a kick out of it yesterday. They lifted the cold weather ban, did you see that? They lifted the cold weather ban, it's safe to go outside. It's only minus 25. (laughs) Now if you look at a map, um, in all seriousness, uh, I'll do my best here, Uh, it goes British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Ontario, Minnesota. By the way, Manitoba. uh, (laughs) Wow. I was recently in Winkler, Manitoba. And you're laughing from, because you're from there or you've been there. Okay, either way. You've been, okay. I told my wife I was going to Winkler. She goes, where are you going? I go, I'm going to Winkler, Manitoba. She goes, you are not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to Winkler. And she goes, that's where the Mennonite girls can cook are from. There's a cookbook. I didn't know. TV show and everything. She gave it to me. I show up at this church, and they made me a traditional Mennonite dinner, uh, which will kill you. This stuff called shlomfot. Yeah, you laugh, but it's not funny. Man, that stuff was like, it was unbelievable. Okay, so... Anyway, where was I? Um, uh, Ontario. Oh, man, this is hard. Quebec. Quebec. Um, Newfoundland, Labrador. New Brunswick, Nova Scotia. Prince Edward Island. None of it. Yukon territories and the Northwest Territories. Pretty good, huh? You realize what just happened here? An American just named your country. Some of you, yeah, I, I thought that was great. Some of you aren't clapping. I'm going to, would you like to do the 50 states? Yes. Texas, Minnesota. But in Minnesota, where I'm from, uh, I have a beautiful wife. We've been married for 17 years. We have three Great kids. Um, 7, 4, and 2. So you can pray for me. Because it's a crazy season, 7, 4, and 2. Um, and we've got, um, you know, this amazing opportunity as parents to raise our kids. I'm a teaching pastor at a church in my town. And I get to travel all over the world. And um, so part of this Christmas season, I'm just on this little short tour um, going into these different Venues, churches, with a guy named Jason McCoy who just draws a bunch of people that are disconnected from a relationship with Jesus. So over the next couple days, I would just simply ask that all of you um, that are followers of Jesus, would you pray for me? And would you pray for that audience? Because I'm really um, enjoying this. Last night, I met a guy named Mike and his wife, Alicia, and they had never gone to church. And, and maybe over 10 years, he had thought the last time they had gone, they came to this church. And, um, they gave their life to Christ last night. And not only that, they're at church this morning at 11 o'clock uh, at a service, learning more about this Jesus that they're, that they're following. It was just a profound moment. And I just simply say, I'm, I'm just really encountering a lot of people that need to hear a little bit of the Christmas story uh, that are disconnected with the relationship with Christ. So just keep us in your prayers because it matters. Prayer, prayer does things. Do you know that, church? You know, we do the natural. He does the super. And I think prayer is one of those things in the natural that we got to continue to do. So I'm just humbly asking for you to continue to pray for us. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, well, you're welcome here. And people are praying for you. And you're in the right place today, by the way. Church, can I get an amen for that? In Minnesota, (coughs) excuse me, sorry, um, we've got some crazy Christmas traditions, like you. Um, First of all, is this stage OSHA approved? Because I feel at any given moment there's going to be a trap door, and you're never going to see me again. Uh, There's some crazy Christmas traditions that I grew up with. I, I don't know if you grew up learning about Santa Claus. Um, and I got to be careful with this one because when it came to find out, you know, what about you know who? <laughs> Pastor Steve's like, what? No, who? <laughs> I'll fill you in later. But I was always told—I don't know if you were told, Pastor Steve—but um, he comes down a chimney. We didn't have a chimney. How did he get into your house then? I thought about this. (laughs) Good night, kids. Santa's gonna break and enter into your home. (laughs) Eat your food and leave. Sleep tight. He watches you while you're sleeping, by the way. He sees you when you're sleeping. Creepy. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna have anyone ever see me while I'm sleeping. I mean, when I'm on a plane, I'm always embarrassed. It's like that middle, third stage of REM, and you're just, (laughs) you fall on the person next to you. They just keep shoving you up. I don't want to see you sleep. Christmas traditions, they're crazy. Um, I love watching Christmas movies with my family, by the way. Um, There's a bunch of Christmas movies that we get out and watch every year. One of them that has become just a family favorite is the movie Elf. Some of you love this movie. Good. If you've never seen this movie, you need to watch this movie. By the way, the elf fans that are out there, my favorite part of that movie is when when Buddy's leaving. Mr. Norwal pops up out of the water and he goes, bye, Buddy. Hope you find your dad. (laughs) I die every time. I mean, you've got to think about some of the other maybe Christmas traditions that you participate in, um, Christmas lights. Now, that's an interesting test of how motivated you really are. <laughs> like if you put up your Christmas lights um, and you take them down like December 31st, we can't be friends. If you leave up your Christmas lights till April, you can be my friend. <laughs> If your Christmas lights are alphabetized and organized and they're on spools and then your storage area, you know, organized to string length and bulb size, we can't be friends. If you get a box out every year and it looks like this and some sort of Christmas troll went down in the summer and entangled every light you own into a rat's nest of Christmas cheer and then removing one stinking bulb from every light, we can be friends. Do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you by a show of hands have been there? You've got this Christmas light out and then you find that one bulb. Or if you have kids, you assign them the task of finding the one bulb. So I thought about that today. I thought about our time together. And I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about Christmas lights. So let's talk about light just for a second. Because that word Christmas lights has got to couple words in it, one of them being light. Now, light is absolutely amazing. In fact, the science community is still baffled by it when it comes to light. Do you, do you realize that light travels at 30, oh, excuse me, 300,000 kilometers per second? It's the fastest thing we know. Uh, in fact, it travels so fast that it's even hard for us to calculate how fast it really travels. I mean, mathematically, it travels not only at that speed, but it travels in these packets of energy. Uh, electromagnetic radiation from something that burns, and it's emitting these proton packets, if you will. And that's what light is. It's these big packets of energy that are traveling faster than we can comprehend. And they're, uh, th- it's amazing that they've got these two properties, okay? Light has got this Uh, It's got this property of a wave and a property of a particle. And that matters um, only so much to say that there's part of light that you see, like the illumination part of it, and then there's part of light that you feel. It's the same reason why on a summer afternoon in Saskatchewan, uh, you go out and you feel the sun and it's 62 degrees and you have shorts on. And everyone else in Florida is wearing parkas. It's the same reason you go out and you feel that sun and you feel its warmth. You feel its warmth even with your eyes shut. But then there's a part of you that sees that warmth, uh, you know, with your eyes open. It's a wave and a particle. In fact, if you were going to go to the closest star, this is how, this is how far light travels. If you're going to go to the closest star, 200 kilometers per hour, you'd get there in 114,000 years. And you'd pass a thousand Tim Hortons on the way, because you'd be going north. By the way, a couple, a couple of, years, like I think it was last year, two years, I can't remember. Whenever you switch to the American cup sizes at Tim Hortons, I always went to Tim, I went to Tim's, and I'm just like, yeah, I'll get a. I always ordered an extra large because it was like an American medium, you know. Like <clears throat> it was always stepped down. And then the small was like a little Dixie cup shot glass of coffee. Never was enough, right? And then somebody said, we should switch this, you know, to the lar- so I ordered an extra large double-double, and they brought out what I thought was a vat of coffee. <clears throat> it was like a bucket. They were like, do you want, how many cows do you want in there? <laughs> Sorry. Okay, light. This idea that light is this force, it's a wave and a particle, it's absolutely, amazing. It, it really puts a different spin on just these little old Christmas lights when you really think about what light is. It's much bigger than just, than just this bulb. Um, but my grandma, she used to decorate for Christmas. She would channel her, channel her inner Clark Griswold and she used to go all out. Now if you've never seen that movie, that's okay. I'll just put it in terms so maybe you understand. She channeled her inner Pinterest. <laughs> Husbands, I hate Pinterest. Can I just simply say that? There's a couple things that I just can't stand. Pinterest is one of them. My that Pinterest is, on, the only thing it is for us husbands is basically a to-do list. <laughs> Honey, I saw this on Pinterest. Can you rip out the counters and make them cement? <laughs> no. No, I can't. <laughs> Honey, can, can you rip out the cabinets, take the doors off of them, install glass and shlack all the furniture. No, no, I can't. No, honey, I can't do that. Anyway, um, my grandmother, she used to um, get these boxes and boxes of Christmas lights out and lawn ornaments decorations and driveway and garland and I mean every single square inch of every single stinking roof line was lined with lights and as a grandson guess who got to put them up me i remember going to the her basement and bringing out boxes of these lights and then i, I asked her one christmas when i was a middle uh, of my sophomore year of high school i asked her grandma you know your power bill's got to go up why do you do all this I mean, why do you make your house look like this? She said, Eric, it's simple. Christmas, Christmas is the celebration of the light, Christ. It's a celebration of lights. And so what better way to celebrate it than to get more Christmas lights? (coughs) Excuse me. She didn't cough after she told me that. (laughs) Although that'd be great if my grandma was a chain smoker for that story. (coughs) you laugh, but I'll never forget that, what she said to me, that Christmas is a celebration of light. So let's just talk a little bit about Christ. Here's another fisherman's friend. Here we go. Wow. (laughs) Let's talk about Christ for a second. If we're going to talk about Christmas lights, we've got lights and then Christ. So let's, let's talk about him. Now, um, there's a few things in the Christmas story I just want to highlight this morning from God's Word that I absolutely um, um, love. A couple things about your Hearing God seminar. Can I just simply say something about Bible reading, real quick? Uh, this really isn't in my notes, but you know, in Genesis, when the Spirit of God is hovering over the water, it says that very clearly in that Hebrew poem, and Scripture says, The Spirit of God is hovering over this water. And then God says, Now, you see, for the first time in Scripture, the Spirit of God and God's Word, what he's saying, collide. And what happens when the Spirit and the Word collide? Creation is born. Where's the Spirit of God in Christ in you? It's not over the water. It's not housed in a box. You're carriers of that glory, that doxa, that Spirit. And so when you put yourself in the front of God's Word, what he said, that Spirit of God and that Word of God collide. And new creation is born. So when it comes to reading your Bible, it's not a have to. Do you realize that you don't have to read your Bible to have God love you any more than he already does? It's a get to. When you study scripture, it's not a have to, it's a get to. But it is a very profound thing that happens within you when the spirit of God collides with the word of God and new creation is born within you. So when you're going through that hearing God seminar and you're, and you're reading God's word, don't do it to finish the Bible. Do it to change. Don't th- do it to get through books or passages. Get, get it so it gets through to you. Because something is, is amazing about this. If you don't have a Bible, that's all right. Talk to Pastor Steve, myself. We'll get you one. Or stay at a hotel. There's one in the drawer. That's where I got this one. A long time ago. I don't want to talk about it. Moving on. A couple things about Jesus, especially when it relates to light. I love what Jesus says, um, that he is the light. Now, in John 8, chapter, uh, chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me will not walk in darkness, but he will have the light of life this is very very important to understand this sort of jewish understanding of the torah the first five books of the bible the torah was seen as light god's word is a lamp unto our feet the torah was seen as this light of light that you were supposed to walk in the torah the prescription if you will of the law and that's how you would have light. and jesus says no no listen I am the light. I'm the light of the world. You follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness. He makes this claim that Jesus is the light. In the Christmas story, way before he even makes that claim, I love how Jesus is announced or revealed in light. In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, you'll hear about it tonight. And I hope you all come back here tonight to cheer on your kids or kids of someone's kids. Because it takes a village. In, in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory, the, the, the doxa of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And an angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you Christmas cheer. It's going to be fine. I got joy for you and for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there's been a born to you a Savior. Jesus is announced in light. The glory, the doxa of light comes and it almost is so big, it's so huge that it's terrifying for these shepherds. He's announced in light in the Christmas story. And then I I love this part where he's actually marked or even revealed in light. There's this star, you've heard about it. It's hanging over many of the scenes that you see as you drive through different communities. where you have that nativity scene that's set up and there's that huge star that's got those different points. and, And it's there. And it's also a marker for these wise men that come and in Matthew. You can read it for yourself in the book of Matthew, chapter 3. Um, Unto us this son has been born, this king of the Jews, for we saw his star in the east, Matthew 2, 2. And we've come to worship him. Jesus says he's the light. He's, he's revealed in light. He's even marked in light. I, I could literally sit here or stand here, rather, and for the next Our, talk about all the places where Christ's light and light intersect. But I think my favorite of all of them is in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, 14, after he chooses these disciples, they're new in their training. They just decided to follow Jesus. Some of them might even just be interested. They, they, they don't even necessarily know everything that there is to come. I mean, they didn't get to read their Bible backwards. We do. They're at a very fetal stage with their relationship with Christ. I mean, you could argue. Some of them are just there for the fact that they've had other rabbis that have looked over them, and Jesus chooses them. And I mean, you, you, could, you could take this little part of why they're there, but they're on this sermon They're hearing this sermon on this mount, the most famous part of Scripture, Matthew 5-8, through the Beatitudes. And Jesus gives this famous sermon. And part of this, he's telling his disciples, anybody that follows me, he says, You are the salt of the earth, and you are like the light of the world. You are like light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. So let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. I find that interesting that Christ, of all of the things that he could have said to us, called us, he chooses light. Salt was one. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother time. But he chooses the idiom or the, I guess, metaphor, of referring to his disciples as light. Why? I think there's four reasons why. And I think every single one of you can be truly light Christmas cheer to someone on this earth this season because of these four properties or or these four reasons of light. The first is really simple. Have you ever had that time when you were driving in the middle of Ontario, headed to Dryden to fish and Thunder Bay area with your father, and all you've read about is the fact that Canada has bears that will eat you. And you're in the middle of the woods, and uh, your dad's Ford F 150 is struck by a tree and then a moose, and uh, then you lose both of your headlights, and you don't have that little handy flashlight on your cell phone. All you have is snake and calculator at this point. Have you ever had that happen where you have to get out of the truck and then go change a tire in the dark in the middle of the Ontario woods? Because I have. (laughs) You can't see anything. I mean, if you drove home tonight uh, and you, well, shut off your car lights while you were driving home after this uh, Christmas weekend with your children, um, you'd get a ticket. You might get into an accident and it'd be really hard to get home. I mean, have you ever had that time when you were walking through your house in the dark and you grabbed a flashlight or you turned on a light or you were reading a road map with a small light? Or I mean, you could go through many different situations in your just daily, weekly life where light illuminates and gives direction. The headlights on your car are illuminating the road in front of you so it can illuminate and give direction. I love that about light that it gives us direction. And that's what Jesus says you are. You're like light. Somebody who illuminates and gives direction. I think for me, I've asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I don't always know if I can answer that question in just a easy sentence, but. I do know that the roads that I've walked that have been hard I can help someone walk I do know that the things I've experienced I can relate beyond just you know relating, I can have empathy and compassion, I can put myself in their shoes because I've walked where they walk it's easy for me to find someone who's had those roads that I've had illuminated for me it's easy for me to be light for them to illuminate and give direction. So why do those things happen to us? Um, I think part of the good that God uses, all things according to his good, I think part of that is, is those things we experience while they are hard, and sometimes there is no reason for us. There just might be a reason for someone else to illuminate and give direction. There's a second property of light. When I was a kid used to get ready for bed. Now, logistical problem when you're a kid and you get ready for bed. If you flip off the light switch over by this wall and your bed is over on that wall, there's that space, you know, in between your light switch and the bed where Smeagol from Lord of the Rings lives. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever done this? Now, after I get done doing this, if you've done this just by a show that, yes, that's you, just clap, okay? You flip off the light switch, click, and then you turn, you're like, oh, no. And then you run, and then you jump into bed. How many of you have done that? Just clap if that's you. Okay. Some of you aren't clapping. You're lying. Or, Or your mom, or... Well, for me, my mom asked me to take, like, something down into the basement. And every time I would go down to the basement, I'd go down to the basement. I got a jar of pickles, and I put it on the shelf. And then I turn around, and I'm like, there's something behind me. There's something behind me. And you run up the stairs. Okay, finally. Thank you for your honesty, young man. I pray that you'd be an example for everyone else. I mean, why would you... Um, As a grown man, have a nightlight in your bedroom. (laughs) Husbands don't raise your hands, but (laughs) wives, you're clearly giving it away. (laughs) Uh, Why do we have nightlights for our kids? Um, Why do we flip on the lights when we're afraid? Why in the basement is it a lot less scary when the lights are on? Because light illuminates, gives direction, yes, but light also dispels fear. A, a property of light or, or a way that we use light or that we experience light is that it dispels fear. It takes fear and it says, you're not welcome here. The light invades the darkness and the darkness can't overcome and comprehend it. It's because light dispels, dispels fear. When I... Um, had a science project I had to do with my little four-year-old. He's in kindergarten, basically pre-K, and he came home with this little cup, and he was telling me, and the instructions were telling me, you had to take this little cup, a cup of dirt, a dirt cup, a cup of dirt. Brian Reagan fans out there. And you had to take a soybean, and you put it down in this little cup of dirt, and and then you'd have to water it, and you've had, you know, soil that's fertile, and water that's creating moisture, but you had to do one more thing with this little cup. You had to go set this little cup, and you had to put it in the windowsill or near light, and then this soybean would sprout. Now, many of you are farmers here, literally feeding the world. Uh, I was driving over here just looking at all the farmland. A newfie once told me a joke, because most jokes are directed towards them, about the flatlands here. He says, if you lose your dog five days later, you can still see him. I thought that was well said when I was driving here. We got parts of that in Minnesota too. We have like acres and acres and acres of farmland. and, And part of that process that's happening on your farms is light is creating and sustaining life. So this little soybean started to sprout and then it's this third property that I think Jesus calls us light. It illuminates and gives direction, it dispels fear, and it creates and sustains life. That's who you are. That's what you do. There's a fourth, and it's probably my favorite, arguably. Especially in Minnesota, where it's cold. We get winters, too. I mean, last winter, when we had that, well, maybe two winters ago, when we had that polar vortex thing happening... There was parts in Minnesota that were colder than the surface of Mars. It was glorious. It's population control. <laughs> Not that the people that had passed away tragically in the cold, but nobody wants to move there. I'm like, fine, great, no problem. The ski hill was definitely less crowded. But there's this sort of moment that I love. Um, where you come in from the cold and you sit in front of a fire, gas fire, real fire, fire on your television. <laughs> some of you are Netflix subscribers and you put on the fireplace. You do, don't you? How many of you are Netflix subscribers, okay, and how many of you are just like Netflix leeches where you don't even have a password? You, okay, there's some honest hands, good. I know what you need for Christmas. <laughs> But the truth is, is you, you have sat in front of a fire, have you not? Especially when it's cold. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Or a single candle in a cold room. You huddle around it. It's because light is comforting. It's that particle part that you feel. That wave that, that, you, that you feel, rather. The particle you see that you sit in front of, and it just has this comforting property. And light. Jesus calls us light because light illuminates and gives direction. It dispels fear. It creates, sustains life, and it comforts. That's who you are, church. That's what we are. That's what we do. I got to ask you a question, though. Will, Will you do that? Will you do that locally and globally this month? Will you be someone that dispels fear? Will you be someone that gives direction? Will you be someone that uh, sustains the life that's there, helps bring apart the supernatural as we do the natural? Will you be somebody that, that literally comforts? Because Christmas is one of these moments where, where that kind of light isn't weird, it's welcomed. It's not awkward, it's embraced. It's embraced. So my question for you is, why did Jesus call us light? Yeah, those four properties, but why? What's the real reason? And Nick, um, if you can hit play on that track, I think sometimes you can see what you can not hear. So rather than tell you, I'm going to show you why I think Jesus called us light. Why do I think Jesus called us light? I, I think because he knew that there were, there were going to be shadows. Um, Christmas tears, not Christmas cheer. Christmas fears, but not Christmas cheer. Christmas fill in the blank, but not but not Christmas. Not lights. I think Jesus calls you light, calls me light, calls us light, because he knew there'd be shadows. He knew there'd be shadows on this earth and he needed the light to shine. That's us. That's you. Every 14 seconds, 15 seconds, really mathematically, someone dies on this earth because they can't get water, what I've been making tea out of all morning. They can't get what in North America we leave on to warm up when we shower. Now, not to be crass or rude or gross in any way, but in those toilet bowls outside here over in the washrooms, there's water in the bottom of each toilet, liquid gold to the rest of the world. 15 seconds, someone dies because they can't get what we take and use to remove our waste from our presence. That's a shadow called thirst. there's a shadow called hunger. I mean, you you and I, we we eat because we're bored. Not always because we're hungry. I mean, have you ever had that time? Excuse me, where you walked into the fridge and you leaned in the side and you looked inside and you're like, it's filled with food, you know? And you're like, man, there's nothing to eat in here. You shut the fridge and you order a pizza. You've done this. I have too. Yet 23,000 children, like these beautiful kids that stood right here in our presence. Someone's son, someone's daughter. Now these kids here are the kids that have captured our heart. Because they're geographically close to it. In fact, even biologically close to it. But it's harder to, to really put in perspective things that are geographically or biologically farther from us. And have that same, that same love. For those kids, it is these kids. But 23,000 kids like this die in a ditch or their mother's arms from a preventable disease called hunger. Which many of you farmers are literally feeding the world. And these children die in a ditch or their mother's arms because they can't get food. Something we have leftovers for at restaurants. Something that spoils in the fridge. Something... We have plenty of. That's a shadow called hunger. I'll never forget when I was in the Philippines and I was trying to rescue these little girls, uh, and there's some smaller kids in here, so as a dad, I'm just gonna make sure that there's not a hard conversation for you on the way home. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm trying to rescue these girls. Uh, that are in this place called the district full of red lights where they're behind glass and they're in the shadow of human trafficking. These lights in the red light district cast different shadows all over the street but mostly in people's lives. I'll never forget trying to rescue these kids. Kids like that. And then the next day, I'll never forget the moment, a couple blocks away in the other direction, walking into a place where light was shining, where people had been to a church or a concert or some event, and they went and they um, sponsored a child with World Vision. That's all they did. They filled out a form. They had heard it before. They had maybe had someone talk about it before, but they did it. They didn't think about it. They actually did it. They sponsored one of these little kids, these little girls, these little boys that were in this World Vision community development project. And if you've never heard of World Vision, they're out of Mississauga. They're one of the most fiscal responsible NGOs in your country today. They go all over the world through food and clothing and education. They, they go and be the church. And they work in countries where there is no church. That if you were a church like the building and you gathered together, you would lose not only your head but your life. They go to places to be the church. And I think that's amazing because Jesus isn't coming back for your great coffee shop or this building. He's coming back for you, his people. We're the church. And if you're here as a visitor today and you're looking for a perfect church, well, this isn't one of them. You'll never find one because we are the church, followers of Christ, and none of us are perfect. Our righteousness is only because of Christ's righteousness. World Vision does this in a way that I think is important to note through the community. It's very inclusive. Where these kids and these families get to be a part of this development project. Where for 15 to 20 years, they are literally partnered with World Vision and sponsors of this community project for these kids. Where it's not just handouts, it's hand. It's not just giving them fish, it's teaching them how to fish. That's important. Because how many times have you had that conflict in you when you walk by a homeless person or a a street person and they ask you for money and you have plenty of loonies and toonies and you say you don't have any and the reason you don't give it to them is because you know it's not really going to solve the problem. Part of it. You know that that, that's just going to go and it's just going to be squandered like the last toonie somebody gave him. See, this is why World Vision goes into a part of the the community, like Malawi, by the way, Uh, which, just so you know, over half of the children under five in the country of Malawi are malnourished. They don't have enough to eat, and I think that's so profound that today, Pastor Steve this community, um, global church partnership that's happening in all of Moose where like these different churches, including this church, are coming together to rescue these kids in Malawi, to feed these kids in Malawi, to be Jesus and light to these kids in Malawi. And over half of them are malnourished. And there's probably over half of you are farmers. I find that just just so profoundly interesting when you're in a community like this and you look at what God has given us and what people need. And they're doing this all over the world. And for me to sit there in this project where these kids were there being trafficked and then these kids were rescued because somebody just filled out a, a form and said, yes, I'll sponsor that child. It was that simple. And they were rescued from the shadow of human trafficking. I think Jesus calls us light because he knew there would be shadows. So I'm going to ask you to do something today that maybe you've thought about doing. The first is this. Who are you um, going to be light to on a local level? Your Christmas Eve service is coming up. Do you have a Christmas Eve service? Churches on Sunday and Christmas? I can already tell you, some of you are already thinking about not coming to church on Sunday. Are you having church on Sunday? Okay, some of you are like, it's Christmas, I'm not coming. So if you're here as a follower of Christ and you're thinking about not coming on Christmas, how many people in your community do you think are thinking about coming to church on Sunday? Mm, Probably not very many. So what service are they gonna go to if they're gonna go to a Christmas service? Probably Christmas Eve. It's uniquely designed this year, and I think it's a unique opportunity for us. So what is, what is stopping you from inviting a family to come to Christmas Eve service with you? That doesn't already go to church. What is stopping you from literally just illuminating to their life, somebody who dispels fear, just comforting them, being a warm Christmas cheer. What What is stopping you from doing that? And I would even take it this one step further. What I'm going to challenge my church to do and what I would challenge you to do is don't just invite someone to come. Um, if you don't have a vehicle that can fit your family and that family, go rent a van and go pick them up and bring them to church. You know what I would love to see? If I was God and I looked down and I saw all my, all these bodies, all these gathering of, of my body, this huge mass array on Christmas Eve, I'd love to see like hundreds of Hertz white Chevy Savannah vans lined up because people rented them and they packed them out and they brought people to hear the Christmas story. Be Jesus, be light, because that's what you are. Maybe on a local level. But on a global level, I'm gonna ask you to do something today that maybe you've thought about doing. Sponsor a child in Malawi. Be light to them. Parents, Your kids don't need anything else with batteries. What would it look like, moms and dads, if you sponsored a child for every child you have? And yes, you're going to have to pay for it. And maybe they can pitch in or they can give part of their allowance. What would it look like if you had three kids and you sponsored three kids for your kids and you gave that to them as part of their gift at Christmas and enlarged their vision of the world? As a dad, I felt many times where I felt like I was screwing up my kids. You ever feel that way, moms and dads? You're like, this is going to give them a complex. I'm going to pay for this later. Last Christmas, my son, for the first time, walks up to me and he says, Dad, I want to give you this gift back. I go, For why? Well, I have two of them. I want to give you this gift back so we can give Edward a Christmas gift, his sponsor. all the times i feel like i'm screwing up my kids that christmas morning <sighs> got to be honest with you i felt like i was doing it right grandpa and grandma when your kids come over to visit you or you go to see them this christmas year what would it look like if you had a conversation about a child that you sponsored on their behalf and they can be the one that writes the letters proverb 18:21 says life and death is in the tongue the 45 bucks a month that it costs in Malawi right now to sponsor a child, yes, we'll literally rescue them from the ditch. But the words of life that you pen with your grandkids, grand, grandpa and grandma, it will literally rescue them from the inside out. If, if you're a current sponsor with, I don't know, Compassion Canada or World Vision or Food for the Hungry or somebody else, just raise your hand. I know you're Canadian, you don't want to take credit, but just, I'm asking you not to take credit, just raise your hand. Okay, look at it. Look, put it up again. Look, look, put it up. Okay, and you're not gonna do this for you, but I'm gonna clap for you. Amazing, hands everywhere. Church, that's amazing. Now here's here's my challenge for you. If you raise your hand, you can sponsor another one. I give you permission. Ask yourself, could you make 450-some bucks less next year on your TR, whatever form it is? If the answer is yes, then sponsor another kid as a family. Sponsor another kid, a child as an individual. If you're a business owner in here, and I'm going to High Valley, and I remember this story, a realtor came over to the table, and she picked up 77 kids, and she said, I sold 77 houses. I want to sponsor a child for every child I have sold a house for. I met a seventh grade girl in Edmonton that sponsors seven kids. Seventh grade girl that sponsors seven. And then when she was in the eighth grade, she did eight, nine, 10. She graduated high school sponsoring 12 children. If you raised your hand, you can sponsor another one. It's okay. I just would simply say to you, all of you, on a local and global level, be light. Because when you sponsor a child, do you know what you do to them? You illuminate darkness. You you illuminate and give them direction. You dispel fear. You you comfort. You can continue to sustain the life that in partnership with World Vision is being created. You get to be light on a global and a local level. Christmas lights. Christmas lights. How do you get rid of shadows? You get more Christmas lights. christ lights. More Christmas lights lights. That's how you get rid of the shadows. So I'm asking you to be more Christmas lights. You remember the bulb, that one stinking bulb that's always in our view where we're going through strand by strand, trying to find it. In a very real way, I thought about this. This little light like that family that you're going to bring to your christmas eve service this little light is like this little boy from malawi and by the way i'm going to leave this painting at your church as a gift it's not for sale it's for so i want to give it to you because every time you see it you can forget me but never forget when you choose one to be light with those properties, those things that Jesus calls you to be, it's like that bulb like this little boy is like this bulb when you sponsor him the lights don't turn on because someone maybe unplugged it underneath because I unplugged it or there's a short there's, this is a fire hazard if there's someone from the fire department here this is not something you wanted to see But in a very real way, when you sponsor that child, it's like this bulb. And you never know whose world it lights up. A lady named Jen who was a child soldier, someone sponsored her in Uganda. And she was sponsored. And then she was with me last Christmas. She came over to the table with her two daughters. And she said, I once was a child that was in Uganda. And someone sponsored me. And I was a child soldier. And now I'm here to sponsor kids with my kids. You never know whose world you light up when you just do that with one. So that's what I came here to ask you to do: is just live in the identity of Jesus says who you are. Light. When you sponsor a child today, I have a gift for you, which is interesting, uh, for the fact that you're going to be going into this series. Um, I wrote a book called The Art of Hearing God Through the Noise. Uh, it's called Static Jedi. Uh, static, and Jedi, mastery of the static, but also beloved by God, um, equally at rest. And I'm going to give it to you. Um, If you don't have it, I just want to give it to you as a gift. It's not even for sale. It's just something I'm going to give to you when you sponsor a child today. So here's how I want to close this service. Pastor Steve's going to come and close this. But before we do, (coughs) can I say thank you for letting me be in your church today? I've truly enjoyed it. Um, There are so many of you, and there's so few volunteers from the church and from World Vision that are here. So I'm going to ask you to do something that an American has a little bit, well, let me just say, the difference between us is I shoot and then I ask questions. You ask questions, then you shoot. Does that make sense? So I'm asking you to simply, if you've thought about sponsoring a child before, can you be bold enough just to simply say, you know, I've thought about sponsoring. I'd sponsor another one. Maybe you're here with a friend or a a girlfriend. You know, ladies, you're here together. Maybe you could sponsor a child together. Maybe your family sponsors a couple. I don't know what it is. But if you've thought about sponsoring another one or for your business, um, if you can just raise your hand as they come through here with these kids from Malawi, these kids that were once here, um, Don't let the geographical location separate you from. If you've ever thought about this, just put your hand up. If you don't want to put your hand up in here, I get it. They're at the tables in the back. Uh, But if you do and you feel like you're bold enough and it's okay, something you thought about doing, I just want you to slip your hand up and they're going to give you a child that you can fill out right there and then turn it in and they'll give you the book. It'll just be easier for you as we're about five minutes over on like your normal service. I want to be able to get you home in time. So if you ever thought about this and you'd be willing to consider it, just put your hand up. Ask the Holy Spirit. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, all of you. Is this something that I should do today? Is this light that I can shine? There's tons of hands going up all over here, taking kids, it's amazing. Anybody else? If you didn't take a, a child and you want to ask some questions from me or from someone from World Vision about this global partnership that your church is doing in Malawi, You want to know more about where the money goes. You want to know more about how they work in places where there is a church. You want to have any of those questions before that make decision. That's why they're here. So meet them in the lobby. I'd love to meet you in the lobby as well. Just raise your hand if there's a couple more. And then if you um, need more information, we'll be there. Can I pray for you? And then Pastor Steve will come. I just want to say a quick prayer blessing. God bless these people as they are light locally and globally. Give them the strength to illuminate the darkness, to shine it bright to the one. To the one family, to the one co worker. God, give them the courage to spread that Christmas cheer, that light. Jesus, I just thank you um, for this opportunity for us to be light to the world. God, I just pray against the complacency or the familiarity that people sometimes have over hearing about child sponsorship. God, just reveal to them. They hear about it because it works. Your kids don't get trafficked. Your kids don't go hungry. They don't go thirsty when they're sponsored. And Jesus, I just pray that you'd reveal that. You'd challenge those hearts. That it would be a big yes. They'd fill out that form. They're handed in. Change that life. Thank you, King Jesus, for letting me be here today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, church. Pastor Steve.
0: Well, we're going to give time for you guys to, if you want to ask questions of the World Vision team, we're going to give time for that. So, thank you for coming. What a special Sunday. We had uh, our little ones up here. Thank you, um, especially uh, our guest speaker. We're just so thankful you got three names, and I always get confused. Eric Samuel, Tim. Eric Samuel, Tim. Thank you for coming, and I appreciate your message this morning and the creativity with which you brought it. It was wonderful. So we're just going to say God bless you guys. We'll see you at 6.30 tonight, and we're going to have some amazing time together. But check out what's happening with World Vision at the table on your way, and uh, God bless you, okay? So good to have you out.